as we have uh, begun a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs, I ask that you just kind of follow along each day and just get caught up if you haven't uh, been reading. We're reading a chapter a day throughout the month of August, and then we'll come back together. And typically, I'll preach on a few chapters that we have read uh, throughout the week. And so that's where we are this morning, just following along from chapter 6 through 12. And again, it's hard to just preach on a couple of verses because there's Proverbs just goes from one subject to the next subject after one another. And so I'm going to just pick some themes from various chapters each week. We're, we're seeing some themes that we saw last week pop up. If you've been reading 6 through 12, parent-child issues. You, you have seen that consistently throughout the first 12 chapters of Proverbs. And it's one of the great gifts of any local church. And I love our student ministry and children's ministry here is to, to help us in our relationships with our children, to help grow them up in the faith. And so we've got a Bible jamboree uh, tonight and pinnacle tonight for our students. Uh, but also we have fellowship events. Last night I got to stick my head in and, and spend a few moments at the daddy-daughter dance. It was a great fellowship event, although I will say some of those dads... Uh, I think, I think I saw the twist performed by one of them. Uh, somebody pulled out the robot uh, from the... My favorite was somebody attempted the moonwalk but pulled a hamstring. That was, that was my favorite. Um, a lot of parent-child issues in Proverbs. Good word for children. Remember, chapters 1 through 9 really are written to youth, but also a word uh, for parents. And then we've seen as well this topic, we, we ended with it last week, laziness. You would think Scripture doesn't talk a whole lot about that. Proverbs keeps hammering that of us to live well, to work well, to give well uh, to the Lord. And then the misuse of sexuality, the importance of avoiding evil at all costs. Those were themes we talked about last week. We've seen all of them come up this week. Really, Proverbs 1 through 9, we said last week, if you weren't here, first it sets the need for wisdom, that you and I desperately need wisdom in our lives. Case in point, when I was not here three Sundays ago, I was at a family reunion. Sarah's side of the family, the Sloop family, locked all of us in one lodge at a camp in North uh, Georgia. We had a great time together. One particular day, we went tubing together down a river in North Georgia. One of, the, one of the kids, Sandy, lost his very expensive prescription glasses while going down that river. He cannot see without them very well, and so he, ha he wore them but fell out of his tube and lost them. He still had one pair of glasses that were prescription, but they were his sunglasses, and they had those mirror covers, right? So he wore them during the day, which was not a big deal, but at night, even though he could see because they were sunglasses, he was having trouble outside at the camp. But one of the things the kids did every night at the camp was in our big main family room. They played a lot of board games and card games. And he brought out this board game. Some of y'all know it. Is it Settlers of Catan? Is that the game? He pulled it out. It's a board game, but it also involves cards, I think. And uh, he was pretty proud to be able to teach all the cousins this game because this was his game. And the cousins crushed him. I mean, this was his game. He described the rules and all this. He was so excited to let them play this. And they picked his best cards. They crushed this kid. Why? He lacked wisdom. He was wearing mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... Wait, wait, hold your card still. 
picking that card. My son didn't tell him. My daughter didn't tell him until after the game, and he had been thoroughly crushed. Oh, by the way, we saw every card you had in your hand, right? We need wisdom, and the beginning of Proverbs is calling that out. We need wisdom. Also, what we said last week is it's a heart issue. It's not an intelligence issue. It's a heart issue. Now, we're going to see again there is a need for right doctrine. We need to be wise with doctrine. Uh, and it is a hard issue, but also we need to change our lives. And that's really what Proverbs is pressing us to, to check our lives, to change our lives. Do you know what the least read book is in the United States of America? It's not the Bible. Do you know what the least read book is? The Car Owner's Manual. It's the least read book in America. Now listen. Listen. We go to it when? <laughs> when there's trouble. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff in that book about preventative maintenance, about what to do ahead of time so you won't bump into trouble. And that's what Proverbs is. If you're in crisis, if you're in trouble, here's the way of God. But listen, before you get into all of that, avoid the path of evil. Avoid the tempter. Avoid. There's so much here that helps us stay with God so we don't have those times of crisis. So it's right for us to turn to this book and say, Lord, direct our paths. Help us. So in chapter 6 through 12, we're just going to walk through a couple of chapters. I'm going to start in chapter 7 and see some common themes that we bump into. One of them, again, and we need to touch base on this because you just see it throughout Proverbs, is the, I don't know, my face is still red from last week. If you read chapters 5 and 6 at the beginning of the week, and what it said about temptation and adultery, it's, it's tough stuff. It's embarrassing stuff. And here you see it as well in, verse, in chapter 7. And by the way, it's one of the reasons we love the Word of God. This is real stuff. Because of my different degrees, I've had to read all kinds of other religious material and read their sacred books. This book is real stuff, and it talks about real life and real struggles. God knows what we struggle with, and he has given us a book, his revealed word, to help us through those things. And so just looking at chapter 7, he, there's some great reminders here for a very common temptation for men and women. Verse 7, he takes the way to her house. This temptation to follow this person who's calling him uh, to sexual sin. Uh, we live in a culture, we're just saturated with that. Everywhere you turn, from billboards to TV, we're just inundated with imagery and calls uh, to sin in this way. But look, look at the details here. It's her scent. It's her clothes. It's her words. It's her touch. It's the taste of her kiss. As one commentary said, all senses are thoroughly uh, aroused, but he lacks the sixth sense wisdom now we say sixth sense i'm going to ruin a movie it's in the top 50 gr all grossing movies of all time if you've seen that movie i'm not recommending that movie but somebody in my family wanted to see it so we saw it and if you have seen that movie i'm going to spoil it it's too late but if you've seen the sixth sense my wife turned to me two minutes into that movie and said oh i bet he's already dead now, if you've seen that movie, it ruins and spoils the whole thing. But it ruined me. I paid like eight bucks to go see that movie. Don't marry smart people. They ruin stuff for you. 
But in two minutes, Sarah had figured this out and said that. Um, what the, the writer of this proverb is saying to us, just as Sarah ruined that movie, the proverb is trying to ruin the allure of the five senses. There's a place for that, of God's beautiful gift of sexuality uh, within the context of marriage. But he's saying to all of us, we can't trust our senses here. And, and that's, that's how temptation will come. And this man is on his way, Scripture says, is on his way to the chambers of the dead, and he's loving every minute of it. His senses have failed him. They have blinded him. And that's not just in this area, but in so many areas, in, in your own area of temptation or struggle, how our, our senses, our feelings, our emotions will say yes, but we've got to recognize, as the author of this proverb reminds us, it leads to the chambers of the dead. And there's another verse here, and I want to be very careful about this. 7-11, it says, Her feet do not remain at home. This is a, there's a general principle here for men and women. Don't call me. This is a principle for men and women about the importance of home. Doesn't mean we don't have a life outside of home. If, if, scripture will not, as, as uh, Lori told us at the beginning of our service today, we exist for the glory of God and to tell others about Jesus. And you can't do that if you've circled the wagon and don't engage culture. We cannot do that. We gather here to worship God, to be encouraged by each other in the faith, to be healed of all the stuff we've been through throughout the week, but then we've got to go out of these doors and go tell of Jesus Christ. But God has, from Genesis 1 and 2, and you see it here again in Proverbs, the critique of that. There's something right about the priority of home life as well, of our feet being at home, of our hearts given to home. And it's not just the the struggle of love affairs. It's the struggle of materialism affairs, work affairs, activities affairs, that we can never be settled at home. There's always something better outside of that life, that I've got to go for you, seek fulfillment. Again, we need times outside the home. I'm not, Scripture's not arguing we don't need friends, and that we don't need recreation. And we don't, but this is a common part of, of somebody who's a tempter's life to never be at home. And God has so much that he desires to do for our kids, for ourselves, for our ministry to our neighbors, for our ministry to our coworkers, when you and I have a commitment and a priority to our homes. Chapter 9. You go over to chapter 9, and again, we, we've set the purpose that we need wisdom. Well, really, 1 through 9 are these Proverbs to the young. We saw the need in chapter 1. Chapter 9 is kind of the conclusion of this first section of Proverbs. And so in chapter 9, we're getting this summary uh, and also, again, this need. Look at verses 5 through 6, because this is, this is really the nutshell of the book. You're invited to partake of wisdom. Come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. And then your life, because of that, has got to change. Forsake your folly and live. And then it's got to proceed in a new direction and proceed in the way of understanding. If we don't turn, then it's not wisdom. Matter of fact, let me say it this way. If we don't turn, it ain't wisdom. And I can say ain't because it's not about intelligence. It's about a life following the path of God. Um, and you see 
really, in a very real sense, even more desperation here. Chapters 1 through 4 have been telling us in that first week about the benefits of wisdom. But in 5 through 9, where we've been this week, it talks about here are the results or even the consequences of following wisdom or not following wisdom. And they are stark and they are dire. Just listen to these. In chapter 5 through 9, every chapter we have read, 5 through 9, has talked about death. Chapter 5, you will die for lack of instruction. Chapter 6, husband is coming to kill you because of your adultery with his wife. Chapter 7, you are descending to the chambers of the dead. Chapter 8, all those who hate me love death. Chapter 9, he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol or the abyss. It is a, a, a very stark picture of what happens when we don't follow the ways of God. And in chapter 9, you see that contrast. 1 through 6, if there's wisdom, this is what you have. And then 13 through uh, 18, if you have folly, this is what happens. And it's interesting. Go back if you haven't read 9. Wisdom and folly are both compared. It says they're both simple or naive. Now, when I say naive, I don't mean simple in the sense of that TV show New Heart from the 80s and early 90s. This is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. <laughs> kind of simple folks. But it means naive. They both were naive to begin with. There's no... But here there's this kind of moral tone to it. They're simple, but they're on the edge of doing something they shouldn't do. But wisdom calls us back, and they're both given. If you look at verse 6 and 17, they're both given rewards. Wisdom produces life and change and folly stolen water, a stolen kiss, a stolen business, a stolen reputation, a stolen friend, whatever it may be, uh, might be sweet. But what you're finding here in chapter 9 is, again, it is deadly. I don't know if it's, it's the ball bearings out of the, the x-ray tube. Some doctors, y'all can help me with this. But I read a true story about 20 years ago of a guy who used to take all kinds of equipment and junk it and he was making money off of that and had junked an old x-ray machine and some ball bearings or some balls had fallen out of that and they were left in the bed of his truck and one of his children had picked them up now this was years ago and my dad by the way when he he still brags about that he was the marble champion at his elementary school if you're under 40 google it playing marbles it was a big thing back in the day my dad even gifted me, that was one of his gifts to me, was his marble collection from back in the day. To have that, so for young kids, it's like Pokemon cards or something. something. Some collection you had. It was a game they played where they would shoot marbles. Well, this was in Mexico, and this kid saw those marbles in the back of a truck, and they looked awesome. And so he got them. He wouldn't share them with anybody. This neat-looking, different-looking marble, and he played with them, and he played with them. And you know the end of that story. He got radiation poisoning because where it came from looked shiny, looked different, looked inviting, and it brought death into his life. And so God's word's very real to us. I know this stuff looks like life. Stay with my word. It produces death. Don't let your senses trick you. Don't let someone trick you chapter 9 is showing the results of that yes i get it and i'm telling you the truth stolen water for a season 
might be inviting, but it produces death. Wisdom cries out there. There's a difference between life and death. And so this, this week, we also then very quickly, we, we moved over to chapters 10 through 13. And these are the beginning of, of uh, Solomon's Proverbs. Again, we, I think we only get about 800 of them. But again, we read from 1 Kings, there are actually like thousands that he wrote. But we have 800 here. And so let's just walk through some of the themes that we bump into. And we just, we just uh, heard it in chapter 8, this importance of love and also the importance of hate. Throughout the proverb, it's not just do this or do that, but again, it becomes a hard issue. What do you love? Do you, verse 8, love wisdom? Of chapter 8, verse 17. 10, 12, knowing that love tra- covers all transgressions. 12, 1, here's a hard one. Love, discipline. Talk, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, but it's one of the great things we can do, not only in our walk with God, one of the great things we'll do for our kids and grandkids, one of the great things we'll do for the kids of our church, one of the great things we'll do, again, for our coworkers, our friends, is, is to love the right things. To love God, but to love the right ways and the right things. To be passionate about those things. Uh, to love them. But also, what we see in chapter 8 and throughout these first couple of chapters of Solomon's Proverbs, it's not just to love the right stuff, but Christians were called to hate the right stuff too. I didn't say hate people. I said we're called to hate the right things, the, the right stuff too. Uh, you see that God does if you go back to chapter 6, 16. Matter of fact, we're going to bump into things where he's going to say there are six things. No, wait, take that back. There are seven things that the Lord hates that are abomination to him. Uh, when he calls out greed or lust or gossip Um, over and over again we're getting this reminder to hate sin Uh, hate which causes hate that which causes separation from god hate that uh which which is false love the right things but how is it church how is it we're honest with ourselves we have not hated the wrong stuff the bad things that are outside of God's plans for us. Sometimes we almost envy people who have those things or do those things. And Proverbs throughout this entire hundreds upon hundreds or thousands upon thousands of Proverbs coming back to it all the time. Have the right perspective. Hate sin. Hate it. And then throughout these, these chapters, especially 10 through 13, we're bumping into this reminder again of the importance of words. And, and how critical they are, not just to bring life to ourselves and to others, but that they, just like James 3 would say, they direct our lives. What we say will direct our lives. My wife and I were reading through Proverbs 1 through 31, one month, kind of like we're doing as a church family now. Every day, read a proverb, talk about it or whatever, and she'll be here second service, and I'll tell, I'll tell it when she comes to second service. And she said something, Maybe it was sarcastic, maybe it, whatever it was, she said something to me, joking at me, and I spat back Proverbs 31. I said, well, I don't think a Proverbs 31 woman would say something like that to her husband. You know what she said? We hadn't gotten to chapter 31 yet. And I think she stuck her tongue out, too, so 
I may not tell that part when we get to uh, second service. Quarreling, gossip, anger, angry words. Y'all, I hate it. We're about two, three weeks away. I'm not even going to recognize some of y'all on Saturday afternoon, right? <laughs> we can just change, even over sports. We can just change, and words will come out of our mouth, or our frustration will. Anger with kids, words with kids. Proverbs has so much to say about what comes out of our mouths and what shouldn't come out of our mouths. It's interesting. We talk about, and rightly so, whatever calls the Lord calls abomination, we ought to highlight that. Lord hates that. What does it say here in Proverbs 12? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You've been tempted to twist the truth this week? There's tough stuff here. Just in these first 11 through 12, I mean 10, 11, and 12 is all we've kind of read if you've read for today on Proverbs, on this section. It's already come up eight times about the importance of what we say and don't say. Some great reminders from just the last two days. Chapter 10, verse 19. You talk a lot, you're probably going to sin. That's, that's what Proverbs says. Chapter 10, 20 through 21. A timely word, it's like silver. You give somebody a needed word, a timely word, it's like silver to them. Chapter 11, 9, words can crush and words can kill. Chapter 11, verse 12, basically says if you're wise, you'll shut your mouth. Words upon words upon words that can either bring life and healing and help or that can bring death. How is it? Looking at last week, and saying to yourself, saying to myself, how does it need to be different this week? What I say, how I say it, with family, with friends, at work, at play. The, the right, Solomon here is not playing when it comes to words. Two other things, very quickly as we close. One he talks about, you see it very well in chapter 9, 7 through 12, uh, but also throughout this section is the importance of accountability. It's a good Wesleyan word, a good biblical word. It's accountability. Solomon even says a word I'm not allowed to say. Sarah and I wouldn't say this with our children, even though they tried to say it. S-T-U-P. I won't even spell it all the way out, right? But that's what Solomon says we are if we are not under accountability. If we don't have somebody in our lives, a counselor in our life, who will check our lives. Just go back and read 9, 7 through 9. 7 through 9. When it talks about in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, do you know that's couched in what other people are doing? If you look at the verses just before that, it's talking about our life together and our accountability together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but part of the way I get that wisdom is through others holding me accountable. Uh, chapter 10, 17, if we reject the accountability, we go astray. Eleven fourteen, victory comes with it. We need many counselors. I'm not picking on this church. I love this church. I've been to this church. I've read their books. I've done uh, several conferences with them. But one of the leading churches in the United States, largest churches in the United States, um, has had their pastor resign for things in his life that were not appropriate. But what was interesting about that was not just what he did, which I say horrific, but it, it is interesting. It's not just what he did or was accused of. 
but it was the counselors around him who would not counsel him. He had a board, and that board just last week all resigned. Matter of fact, the pastors who have followed him resigned because they wouldn't check, because they wouldn't take into strict account. Y'all, we need that in our lives. A brother or sister in Christ who can say, tell me what's really going on. Hey, I've noticed this in your life. What's up? Now, we also need them to say at times, man, I love what I'm seeing in your life as you're blessing your family or how you're living in the church. So it can't just be all truth. When Jesus came, what does John 1.14 say? Jesus came full of grace and truth. It's got to be both. But can somebody speak truth into our lives without the presence of many counselors proverbs says we go astray and not only that 12 15 and 26 people who will not receive reproof they end up leading others astray and then lastly and this is a picky point for a pastor but this is where we live and proverbs talks about the purity of doctrine i want us to be careful as we bump into this word favor this is a word you're going to bump into a lot in proverbs and we want to take some time just say this is yes there is the favor of the lord but we're so favor happy in our culture that sometimes we strip it from biblically what it means you see it here proverbs 8:35 for he who finds me finds life and obtains the favor from the lord a good man will obtain the favor of the lord 12:12 12, 12. proverbs 13:15 for tomorrow good understanding produces favor and then verse 21 the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity we have a lot of folks pushing a prosperity gospel in our culture. And listen, there's something kind of right about that. Again, I have trouble with that because most of the people that push that doctrine have really bad hair. And I'm thinking, if that's the favor of God, I don't want it, right? But maybe one of the number one books about that that came out in the last five years uh, never mentions the cross. The entire book talking about the favor of God and it's all about what you can get and be in this world and never talks about the favor of God that's been won through Jesus Christ through his cross and through his resurrection about a life where we take up our cross and follow Jesus yes the favor of God is upon those who turn to the Lord don't miss that you have his favor and his blessing but don't just reduce it to what our current culture is doing that favor was won through the cross of Jesus Christ for you. How is it? We need to, to check what we say, how we say it. How is it we need to make sure that our church knows, our coworkers know, our kids know, we love the ways of God. And we love everybody, but, but, but there are certain things we will not be a part of. Uh, how is it uh, that we need to to hear and respond to this God's word to us today. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us your revelation about very real things that we struggle with. We pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to respond uh, to your word, that we, we can see where we have held things that aren't completely true. Help us to release those things where our hearts have not been given to a full love for you and for your kingdom. Uh, help us in that. Father, if there's places where we need to change the path of our feet or the direction of our words, we pray you would change our lives as well. Continue to bless us as we walk through this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.